0: Many of us have canisters on our kitchen counters that hold utensils. And right now I have too many utensils, so I have two canisters sitting near my oven. One of them is simply a bronze metal one. I have no idea where it came from, where I got it. But the other I ran across about five years ago and it screamed at me from the shelf, take me home with you, I belong on your counter. And so I did. It is white ceramic, and it has just some simple text that looks like type, and it says, measure your life in love. And that's what we are gonna talk about, gonna explore in this brand new series. How do we measure our lives? What is success? Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. This is episode 209, and we are introducing a new series today, but before we do that, we're going to talk about life and about prayer. I sat down to think about what we've been doing in the past two weeks since we spoke last, and my immediate answer was, we've been working. My son, who is almost 17, just started his first job. He's working at a store called At Home, which is like a home goods superstore. And so all three of us in my little family are now working full time. My husband and I are working a lot. Right now, we're both doing gig work as well as I'm still running my promotional products business. And we're doing what we can to get by, but we're working at a pace that's not sustainable. And we both know that. We've pulled back in some ways in the last few weeks, um, skipping some evenings when we've been scheduled to work when we've needed to, but I feel like we're in this weird, all we do is work and cook dinner cycle. <laughs> like we work, cook dinner, work, cook dinner. I've been essentially working for myself for probably over 20 years, almost 20 years, literally decades since I have worked outside my home, and it feels really strange. This is a temporary situation for us in theory, but I was reminded recently, for those of us with workaholic tendencies, raise my hands, or those of us whose identity is built on the work that we do, it is very easy for life success to look like work success. And we're going to get to that more in a few minutes. So switching over to talking about prayer, I should probably say a lot of studies have been done on the complicated topic of nonverbal communication. And the results of those studies vary, but as a range, we can say that 70 to 93 percent of all communication is nonverbal. I know that's a pretty wide range, 70 to 93 percent. If we forget about the actual figures, what's important for us today is that we can say much or even most of our communication is nonverbal. Our bodies and our posture communicates. And this is true in conversations with God as well. It is more than our words and our thoughts alone that communicate with our God. I know that you have probably been in a situation where someone was speaking, and the words that came out of their mouth were polite or pleasant, but their posture and the look on their face and their attitude in their speech showed that they did not mean those words politely. When God made us to communicate with our whole bodies and faces, why would we think that we communicate with God only in our minds, only by our mouths, that our nonverbal communication doesn't matter? We've been talking about nonverbal prayer for a few episodes, and today, I want you to think about your hands. In our culture, the traditional picture of prayer that most of us have when we think about the word prayer, all of the icons that you do if you search for prayer icon, is hands folded or clasped in front of us in prayer, joined together, palm to palm. Now, the origin of folding the hands in prayer is virtually unknown, uh, but a version of it can be found in use by followers of many world religions, including Buddhism, Hinduism, and Shinto. Many religious historians trace the origin of the practice to an indication of submission. Prisoners' hands were shackled, tied together with vine or rope. And joined hands became a similar gesture to raising a white flag in Roman times. It meant, I surrender. It's been used in Jewish traditions, some say since the 11th or 12th century, some say after the exile. So way, way back with untraceable roots, wherever it came from, and however long it's been practiced, it's certainly everywhere in Western Christianity. That is literally how we imagine prayer. As an indication of submission, once we know what it means, it's entirely appropriate, right? But there are other things that we can do with our hands in prayer. In Psalm 28, 1 through 2, David says, "'Lord, I call to you, my rock, do not be deaf to me. If you remain silent to me, I will be like those going down to the pit. Listen to the sound of my pleading when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary.'" Scripture is full of references to hands being lifted to heaven. So as you pray, think about how you're using your hands. Learn to be expressive with them. Be intentional about bringing your whole body, your heart, your soul, and your body into your communication, into your prayer. All right, let's switch to worship. We have uh, maybe a little bit longer passage than I've been reading lately, it's Isaiah 45, five through seven. It says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God but me. I will strengthen you, though you do not know me, so that all may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is no one but me. I am a Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make success and I create disaster. I am the Lord who does all of these things. That is fitting with the idea of success that we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to use this passage as worship. Would you join me? Father, you say in this passage, I am the Lord and there is no other. What, at least three or four times? Like it's repeated as I read it out loud. That's what I hear. I am the Lord and there is no other. So we worship you today as the only God worthy of worship. We'll come back to this later, but I want to speak it before I even begin to get to that portion of the prayer. You alone are God. And I acknowledge that over my life, that you alone are Lord of my life. There is no one but you. I want everyone to know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is no one but you. You form light, you create darkness, You make success. You create disaster. We are submitting to you this morning as the only God. You are the Lord who does these things, and we worship you this morning. As we step into this topic for for this whole series, but especially in the next few minutes, pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would turn our hearts over, that you would uh, pull us, like it feels like this... um, if you think about how thread is woven together, that you would extricate all the strands of what our culture says is success and how you define success, and that you would help us live in your definition of success. Help us to learn what that is. Help us to see the ways that you are, ha- that culture has infiltrated our own definition. Give me the words. And as I'm putting this series together, the ideas and the thoughts. And the scriptures that you would have us look at be in the center of this conversation this is a time that we gift to you and to ourselves and we look forward to what you have to teach us this morning so speak to us we're listening in jesus name amen all right many of you listening will remember the recession of 2008. It was the beginning of major changes in my own business. Before that time, I had five or six employees. We were doing millions of dollars in revenue every year, had zero advertising. And then a number of things happened. The internet grew up, (laughs) the economy crashed, and major competitors of mine moved online. I moved across country and downsized from an office building and a staff to what essentially became a business that was a solopreneur. It was quite an adjustment on all of those fronts. I was reading the other day about what happened in other industries in 2008 and the stories of businessmen whose businesses were ruined by that recession. I read the story of a man who had five friends commit suicide in a six-month period because their businesses had failed. We, specifically in the United States where I live, but for those of you living in other places, consider how this appears in your culture too. We in the U.S. live in a culture that worships success. And as a Christ follower, we are supposed to worship God alone. He alone is God. We just said it in the the verse that we just prayed through. That is much easier to say than to do than to have that be really true in our lives. So in this series, this new series that we're stepping into, we're gonna look at the concept of success, how God defines success, how our culture defines success, and how we define success. We're gonna ask questions like, what makes a successful day or a successful life? You do not need to own a business or to even be working for have this, to have this question really matter. How do we measure success? How do we pursue it? Today, we're going to do something a little bit different than what we've been doing, how we've been praying in this segment for, I don't know, for a while, it seems like. We are simply going to ask God to speak to us in the coming weeks about our relationship with success. We're going to start in Jeremiah. I'm going to go through three different passages, I think, and um, pray through each one. The first is Jeremiah 33, 1 through 3, and it says this While he was still confined in the guard's courtyard, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time The Lord who made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is his name, says this Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. Just like he spoke to Jeremiah. He invites us to enter into conversation with Him, to call to Him, and He will answer. And it felt like the appropriate starting place for this series, or this um, prayer time. (laughs) So let's go to it. Will you pray with me? Father, we recognize You again as being God alone above all things. You have made the earth, formed it to establish it. The Lord is Your name. And you invite us to call on you, to speak to you, and you will answer us. You will tell us things that are hard for us to understand in human terms. You will tell us things that we don't know, that there's no way that we can know without you. And so as we come before you today recognizing that you are God, that your knowledge is so far above ours, that your perspective is so different, we ask you to infiltrate our own perspective to help transform our ideas, our thoughts, our hearts into your ideas and your thoughts and your hearts. Give us your perspective on the idea of success. Speak to us in the coming weeks, in the coming month, however long it takes us to get through this series, 30-ish days. Speak to us about our own definition of success. Speak to us about sin and what we ho- how we are measuring our lives, because I have a feeling that many of us are not measuring it in the same way that you measure it. And we are constantly under pressure from our culture to measure it by success, financial success, our, our family's success, productivity, all the different ways that we tend to be told that this is a good person, this is a life worth living. But what do you say about it? Speak to our hearts this month. Help pull out of us the tendrils of our culture that tell us that productivity and production and um, wealth and pleasure, like all of these other things, look like success Our success. Get rid of the lies of the enemy in our lives. We offer our hearts to you right now, listening, speak to us, answer us. Amen. The next passage is from Psalm 139. It's verses 1 through 5 and 23 and 24. It's basically the opening paragraph and the final paragraph of Psalm 139. And it says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Father, there is no place that we can go in this world where we can escape from you, where we can be hidden from you, where you would not know everything there is to know about us, our thoughts before we speak them. You've searched us. You know us. You know our innermost motivations. Those are the things that matter to you, those things that are inside. When you judged David and his brothers, and, and chose one to be the king. You chose not based on an outside exterior, on how uh, them, they, the men appeared. You chose instead on the heart, and you have the ability to know our hearts. So we invite you uh, not only to do that intentionally this month, but we offer our listening ear and we offer our lives up to be searched. It's one thing to be searched without our permission. It's another thing to voluntarily allow you to search us. Certainly you know us anyway, but right now we are inviting that process. Talk to us about how we are measuring success, about what we think makes a good day, about what we think makes a good life. Help us to understand our own motivations. Uh, as you say, lead, lead me in the everlasting way. And that begins with Repentance. So help us know what it is that we need to repent of in this area and lead us in the everlasting way. Lead us through repentance into a righteousness, into a definition of success that is based on your character and on your word. That's the desire of my heart for this series, that you would lead us through repentance and into living a life with the right kind of measurement the the measuring stick that you offer us. Amen. And finally, Psalm 512 says this, "For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield." Father, there are plenty of instances in scripture where you offer to bless the righteous and curse the unrighteous. We in our culture, in western tradition, have let the idea that our, if we are obedient, if we do quote the right things, we behave the right Christian way, if we perform as a good Christian, then we'll be blessed. And that that blessing is a sign of your favor. It can be, but it is not always. And when we equate blessing to success, I think that we fall in the trap of this um, performance-based success. And I pray that if we have fallen into that trap as a church, certainly there are churches preaching a prosperity gospel. If you give your life to Christ, if you are obedient, if you are uh, do the right things, then God will bless you financially or He will bless you spiritually. Um, and in some ways, uh, the, the, the problem with a lie is that sometimes it's based in a kernel of truth, right? That you certainly do bless us, but it that doesn't always look like what we think it looks like. In the words of ego, Montoya, that <laughs> the word doesn't mean what you think it means. Help us to, well, maybe what I want to do is this. I, I want to ask for forgiveness uh, for, our, for our Western church when it does this. For all of the instances where we personally, where I personally have fallen into this trap thinking that this is a transactional relationship, that if I do say, act, believe, behave in a certain way, that that blessing is success, that that's what I'm after. Forgive me for my wrong definition of success. Forgive me when I'm saying one thing with my mouth, but acting or believing or feeling a certain way inside my heart. Forgive me for chasing the wrong things in life, for thinking that my worth is based on what I do, that my success in life uh, looks any specific way, whether that is uh, a family that looks good from the outside that goes to church on Sunday, whether that is Uh, chasing after wealth or power or position or pleasure, all of the things that we talked about that Esther's culture chased after that looked like success for them. That's how success was measured in the Persian Empire. And we spoke about the idea that our culture measures it the same way. We are constantly bombarded with the idea that success equals more. More money, more time, more power, more prestige, more influence, More. And I pray that as we walk into this next week, that you would speak to us individually right now, but also as the week progresses about what lies we've believed. That you would bring us to our knees in repentance. That you would really sink that deep into our hearts. That you would forgive us individually, but also that our churches the church universal, that, <laughs> that staff would stop pursuing success and start pursuing you in all the ways that that applies from the pulpit, from planning, from staffing, from teaching, that we would stop pursuing success and that we would begin pursuing you. Forgive us us when we have not in the church and in our own lives. And let that be the cry of our heart for the weeks to come. Help us stop pursuing success and start pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. That left me sort of in limbo. um, for a moment, thank you so much for praying with me today. For watching with me on the broadcast, whether you're here live or whether you're here on replay, thank you for being here. If you're a podcast listener, thank you for listening in that format. For all of you, the best thing that you can do for a a maker is to share this with a friend if you have found it valuable. Invite them to come along on this series. I think um, I think it's in some days going to be hard. It's going to be so, so good. Um, like I said before, you don't have to be a business person for this to be 100% applicable to your life. So I'm looking forward to it uh, as we step into it in the weeks to come. We are brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, and my heart is that as we do this, that God would speak into our lives through these prayers in mighty ways, that um, he would grow us in our prayer lives, but most of all, that we would fall deeper in love with a God who gave us the words that we are praying. Amen.